Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. We're your hosts, James and Anthony. In this episode, we'll be discussing The Black Phone, directed by Scott Derrickson. Hello, movie friends. Let's get into The Black Phone. James and I saw this film last week. And we really loved it. It's been a great addition to the horror genre in 2022, and we can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, this movie is over $50 million at the box office on a budget of just about $16, $15 million. On IMDb, it is a 7.3, and on Rotten Tomatoes, it is an 83% critic score with an 89% audience score. This movie was originally going to come out in February, but I think the studio realized they had a really solid movie on their hands, a really excellent horror film original idea. So they bumped it up to June 2022 and it paid off and they made a definitely a solid profit on this. It's so great to see original ideas, original horror films and original horror rated R movies making great money at the box office. It's been a great summer so far for movies. And The Black Phone is top five of the year for me, I think. I really enjoyed this movie. You've never seen Ethan Hawke in a role like this before. This movie was really scary. I jumped a few times in the theater, and we also had a great crowd with us. Everyone was, like, clapping and scared and on the edge of their seats for at the same moments and the same times, reacting the same ways. Obviously, everyone screamed at the Nicole Kidman <laughs> at, at the beginning at the AMC. Um, this movie, it's about... A, a, a kid who gets abducted by this child killer called the Grabber in his local town and him trying to survive, but there's a really supernatural element to the kidnapping and the previous victims who are communicating with this young boy in order to help him escape from the Grabber and hopefully live another day. Yeah, and what I really like about this film is it's it's a new take on the same tropes we've seen many, many times. It's, it's both a, a supernatural ghost story and a serial killer movie. And someone trapped in uh, someone trapped movie basically, and Scott Derrickson came up with a new twist to to tie these genres together and these cliches together. Where we have well, it's based on a short story by Joe Hill. Okay, and then Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill made the screenplay. Okay, excellent. Gotcha. Thank you for that info. But it was really refreshing because we've seen these things before, but this is a new interpretation of these ideas. Uh, I, I think it was really great. So basically, this kid gets kidnapped and he's put into the basement of the Grabber. And there's a disconnected black phone. And the past victims of the Grabber uh, call the kid, uh, Finney, to give him advice and tips on how to escape. It's basically their souls in the afterlife or maybe in a limbo communicating with him. I thought it was really terrific. And the way that Scott Derrickson portrayed ghosts, how they showed up and how he put them into the scenes was really unique. Uh, visually great and also quite scary and at times there are a few great jump scares Ethan Hawke is excellent I thought it was just it's not the scariest movie of the year I was pretty scared was, yeah I was you pretty scared <laughs> I almost jumped out of my but, clothes but it's more it's more I think thrilling and just flat out entertaining than it is super scary very suspen- suspenseful yeah. the entire crowd you yeah. could feel was on the edge of their seats for about the last 45 yeah. minutes and, what and I, I don't want to spoil the movie so we'll go through spoiler free for, for right a little now. bit but we will spoil it later because yeah. there's a couple things I want to mention but I think that it was a really great take on this genre and subgenre of both supernatural ghosts and serial killer and the the casting was excellent. This kid Mason uh, Mason Thames, he he's awesome. Finney, he was excellent in the yeah. movie. His sister uh, Madeline McGraw plays Gwen, 
And then Jeremy Davies is their father, who I think was the same actor who played. He's in Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's uh, yeah. The, what's his name? The, yeah, he's the, also the in Justified. Guy. He's in a bunch of stuff. Um, Rescue but, Dawn. But it, it's a really great movie because it, it felt like a movie that was made in the seventies. You know, the it aesthetic, the, the music, film quality, the music. Yeah. It felt like an old school horror movie, which is really cool and. Uh, the aspect ratio was a little different at times, but I think overall it just felt like a time machine, you know, putting us back in a past world. And I'm telling you, it's worth it just to see Ethan Hawke, even though he's constantly wearing these masks, these terrifying masks. It's still you wor- actually, I'm sorry, you see more of him in the trailer, his face in the trailer than you do in the movie. Yeah, and I think there's some scenes that are in the trailer that aren't in yeah. the movie that were cut. Just I think they're trying to show that it's show Ethan Hawke's face, face yeah. because so much of the movie that you see of him, he's wearing the mask the majority of the time. But I found it, I found this movie very scary and very terrifying because there's drawn out tension and they really put you in the shoes of this kid being kidnapped in this basement and it felt like you were there with him you felt like you were with finney and the supernatural element is really great too because maybe we'll start getting into spoiler territory now let's do so it we'll give you a warning if you haven't seen this movie maybe not tune in for the rest of this episode if you plan on seeing it see it asap and then come back to the episode where like anthony said which was in the trailer we didn't spoil that where he's communicating with past victims through this unconnected phone and his sister, Gwen, has some sort of connection to this realm. Clairvoyance. Whether it, clairvoyance, yeah. whether it be communicating with Limbo or the afterlife, souls that have been killed. Her, Their mother had the same ailment, which has caused their father to being crazy after their mother's death. And, alcoholic. And being yeah. an alcoholic yeah. and very abusive. There are some tough scenes to watch of, of abuse in this movie. But I think the cast did a great job. But the story itself of... The supernatural element was done so well, and it didn't take away from the horror parts of the movie and the serial killer grabber parts of the movie, which I think they did a great job balancing both the genres of supernatural with horror because I think sometimes if, if you do too much in one direction, it doesn't completely work with what they're going for with the tone, but they really nailed it. And, you know, Finney talked on the phone with all the victims one at a time, and they've all, they're all giving him clues and, and, and tools to help survive. And it seems like I think they might be in a limbo and the only way they'll be released is if they're if their killer is that's killed, what I imagine, or if yeah. or if someone gets if someone survives, then maybe they can be released from their limbo. Maybe that's why they haven't moved on to the afterlife is because they need someone to survive the killer. Yeah, I think that they're stuck in some kind of limbo from the grabber. He, you could look at him as like a demonic presence, and any soul that he takes is just like stuck. <clears throat> because the, they say that the grabber can hear the phone too. Yeah, there's some connection to the phone and the supernatural qualities of what's going on to the grabber. And I like how Scott Derrickson doesn't ex- over-explain things. There's some things that are kind of left it up in the air just like that and exactly where the kids are and how they can communicate with them. I like how everything's not explained. Movies don't always have to explain everything that's going on. If we, we just take it as it is, it's, it works just as fine. But my favorite part about this movie, my absolute favorite part, is... That Finney kills the grabber. The villain dies. There's not going to be sequels. It's just a one and done. I, I think there's so many horror movies, and they like they start out with a horror movie just knowing that like if it's good, we'll make another. Um, I think like Don't Breathe was the last big one that like was turned into a sequel, and that franchise already fizzled out. I, I was like, when, when Ethan Hawke died, first of all, it was a great kill. And our, our audience, we all applauded the entire thing. It was a raucous yeah, applause. Yeah, it was great. Uh, Because it was an awesome moment, but I was like so happy. I was like, 
I love this. It's just its own movie. There's not going to be a franchise. There aren't going to be uh, the Grabber Part Two or anything. I just I loved how Scott Derrickson's like, no, screw it. Our my Insidious franchise ended up becoming like crap. So I don't want to do this again and let this be made again. So let's just kill the villain in this movie. Yeah, too many studios are too focused on setting up a franchise for multiple movies rather than focusing on making a great movie. Not that Sinister didn't do that, and not that. Uh, Don't Breathe didn't do that. Both those films set up a great just one movie. In Don't Breathe, their problem was... Don't don't Breathe set up a sequel. Don't Breathe set up a sequel, but it was solid. It was about going after the same characters in the first movie, and then they just didn't do it. it. They changed it, and they turned him into a hero in a lot of ways. And so it's just like, that's not what we wanted at all. And also, Scott Derrickson didn't make Sinister 2, which was really bad. And just basically, I think that Sinister 2 also makes people look at Sinister in a bad light. Because the Matrix sequels did that to the Matrix. You know what True. I mean? But I think something with Ethan Hawke and Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill, because he helped write the screenplay for Sinister as well, the, the three of them working together, they just know how to tell a horror movie. They know how to tell a horror story. I Hopefully they reunite again before another decade because I, I think that Sinister is excellent, and I think that this movie was excellent. I think, I, like I said, it's a top five movie of the year for me just because of how it made, made me feel in the theater. I felt so many emotions. It was so funny at times as well. Great moments with kids and what it's like being in school and dealing with bullies and, and obviously there's a lot of a lot of fighting in this movie and fist fights but that's what the world is like in the 60s and 70s people are throwing fists all the time yeah versus kids right now in school right now obviously that happens but it was a lot more common back then as horrible as it is but it you really got a feel and took you back to roots of going through school and middle school and having crushes and having bullies and having friends and and I think the friend part was one of my favorite parts yeah, as well. Yeah, he was great. The, the the his friend, one of the the one of the kids who goes missing Robin. in the movie. Robin, excellent, excellent character and actor, did a great job with this movie, and he's the final bit of help for Finney to get out. But I just love every time he's talking on the phone. It was very scary, but also hopeful. You know, you, you keep getting hope for this character, and they keep taking it away from you. I think that's what makes an effective horror film. And when you think hope is completely lost. And they just figure something out and they get out of it alive. And, you know, Finney killing the grabber at the end of the movie was so satisfying. The audience screamed erupted, and cheered. Erupted. erupted. It was amazing. It was very cathartic. And this was just an excellent movie theater experience. It was an excellent film. And I just really enjoyed the hell out of it. And Scott Derrickson knows how to make a great horror villain. Bagul was awesome. Very... Very scary and also a terrific design of a character. And then the grabber with his mask set. And the masks are all cut in half. There's the bottom chin mouth part and then the top part. And he interchanges them based upon his mood and the situation. So it could be like a grumpy face or like a happy smiling face. And the eyes also change from happy to angry. And so I liked how he could uh, interchange the pieces of the masks to create different masks altogether. But another iconic look. And I think that both Bagul and the Grabber are excellent designs for uh, movie monsters, movie villains, and a horror film. And I, 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 it's hard to pick a, a favorite, but I really like the masks in this movie. And just the, just the images of Ethan Hawke sitting in the kitchen uh, with the belt waiting for him shirtless with the mask on. And just like that was one this, of the scariest parts of the film. Yeah, for that me. was really terrific. Yeah, uh, really well done. Because the grabber, what he's trying to do is entice the boy, whoever he has kidnapped, to try to become a naughty boy and do something wrong. Yeah, he, he wants to punish kids. He needs to bad. play yeah. naughty boy, and once yeah. you start playing naughty boy, that's when he beats you and kills you. And so all the kids are calling Finney on the phone to give him warnings of not to fall into this trap, not to go up the stairs to try to escape. It's a trap. He's waiting for you. He wants you to be a naughty boy so that he can finish his. 
horrific, disgusting need to kill boys, whatever has gone wrong in his head or gone or happened to his past, him in his past that caused him to be like this. He needs to make a boy be naughty in his eyes, punish him, and that's when he can finally kill him. And that's what makes Finney survive is avoiding these traps that the grabber's leaving for him, thinking that he has a chance to escape, but then they eventually do help him escape. And it's an absolutely incredible ending when, you know, his sister's with the police and having these visions. She has dreams of things that happen in real life like her mother did, and she leads them. Shot, and they, Derrickson shoots it with Super 8 yeah. and 16 mil, which is really cool. That's why it looks great. You have yeah. the great film aesthetic, and, you know, his sister finds the house, and they think it's empty, but it's, we find out that the grabber has two homes, one across the street from each other. One is where he brings the bodies of the boys and keeps them under, under in the basement covered in lye, and then the other house is where he actually lives where he keeps the boys that he's killing. And he also has his brother, his <laughs> idiot brother, who lives in the house too. And he's it's it's so funny where his brother is, thinks he's like an investigator trying to figure out who the grabber is. And he can't see that it's right under his nose. Literally, yeah. his brother's the grabber until last minute, which causes his death. The one, Great death. One con I had to this movie was, I think it needed a little more of the brother uh-huh. to get the aspect of the grabber outside of being a killer. Maybe I, a little I bit agree. More. I think that could have helped. And also the actor's great. He's in Sinister as well. Yeah. Um, there's the cop, two, right? Yeah, he's the cop. He's also the lead in Sinister too. Uh, there's he's also in It Chapter Two. Oh yeah. So he's also in KFC <laughs> commercial. <laughs> Shut up. There's two things, two little nitpicks for this movie, um, that aren't really touched on. So when Finney tries to break the window open, he he uh, makes this great little rope ties to the ties it to the metal bars in front of the window, but then it it falls off and it crashes to the floor, and then. The grabber never notices the window's missing its bars again. Yeah. So that's one thing. Um, and also, when he digs the hole through the wall, he accidentally digs into the freezer. And he's like, he breaks down, he's like hopeless. But like, if he just moves his hole a couple feet to the left, he'd dig into the, into the garage. No, but remember, there's only the, like the soft spot of the wall is, that's above, it? is above the outlet. That's what, that's what the kid That's said? what the kid tells okay. him above the outlet, which is where he digs. Okay, never mind. So that, I didn't hear that piece of dialogue then. Yeah, so but I agree with you when when Finney uses the the cable that the other kid left in the the molding of the floor and the wall. Yeah. He pulls the metal fencing off of the the bars off the window. And I I thought at some point that the grabber is going to notice and, yeah. be, and play naughty boy with him and he and he kill him, but I guess that's just something that maybe the grabber wouldn't have noticed. Maybe he hit it. Yeah. But I, they I didn't know. they didn't even show him hide it though. So that's, that was my big con to the to, I thought the yeah. same thing. But I mean it's a, it's a little thing, otherwise I loved it. Yeah, otherwise they did a great job. Yeah. And man, Ethan Hawk never seen him anything like this before. So unhinged, so awesome, yeah. so excellent. All over the place. You didn't even need to see his face. Didn't, didn't have to. Didn't. You see it for a couple frames just when Finney takes his mask off. I like I like that man, and also he there's this moment where he's shopping in a store to get supplies, and you, he, it's only filmed from the back of his head. And I I just I loved not seeing Ethan Hawke's face. Yeah, and what's cool is he probably was filming this around the same time that he did Moon Knight. He has the same hair and everything, so that's yeah. pretty cool. He's doing an MCU show as well as a horrific uh, serial killer kidnapper. And what a really <laughs> thing about a great thing about the character is like he, the way Finney overpowers him is first he rips his mask off and then. Uh, the grabber panics and freaks out. He's like, don't look at me, don't look at me. And that's what makes him vulnerable to Finney killing him. A really interesting character for a villain to be like terrified that your victim would even see your face. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting character, yeah. the grabber. Just another great, unique, original horror film from Blumhouse. They do a terrific job with a lot of their films. And it was perfect length, hour 43, and it just didn't feel long at all. And I loved it. Great experience. I can't wait to see it again when it comes out on VOD. 
Definitely gonna check it out. I give this movie a eight out of ten. I give it an eight point five out of ten. Ooh, nice, so excellent. For all you horror fans, go check it out. You'll love it. It's the only horror movie playing right now. Yes, sir. All right, that's our review of the Black Phone. We have some great episodes both this past week and this upcoming week. We hope you tune into them. Thank you again for following our show, supporting us on Patreon, and interacting with us on social media. We appreciate you all so much. Keep tuning in. Take care. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.